is balance a myth? Is our definition of success broken? On today's show, Cheryl Ann Skolnicki is joining me with the answers to these questions and more. Cheryl Ann is the founder and CEO of the Brilliant Balance Company and a mother of three, so it seemed only right to bring her onto the show to discuss balance during self-love month. Am I right? I loved chatting with Cheryl Ann because we share so many of the same values, so I know you ladies are going to love her and the insights she shares with us in this episode are seriously gold. We learn about how a crisis of purpose fueled her decision to leave her successful corporate career behind so that she could focus on helping working women take back control of their energy, their schedules, and fulfillment to restore balance. Cheryl Ann shares with us her framework for making the pieces fit that I know you're going to find so useful. Plus, she lets us in on the top three things she sees standing in the way of balance for working women. And once we shine a light on those three babies, we never have to let them stand in our way again, right? So join Cheryl Ann and I as we discuss having courageous conversations with your home team, finding balance in the midst of a pandemic, creating a new definition of success, and so much more. Let's do it. You're listening to the Limitless Mother podcast. I'm your host, Cory Javid, money mindset expert, success coach, mother, tea drinker, energy obsessed, manifester, afternoon bath lover, and thought leader in financial empowerment for mums. I know that we get to be successful because we are mothers, not in spite of it. And so around here, we do things differently. I've torn up the business rulebook and created a new paradigm for us, one in which we create results using energy instead of effort. I'm on a mission to help you ditch the old way of creating success. You know the one where you work hard, hustle, and sacrifice, ew, (laughs) and instead teach you how to increase your impact and income without increasing your hours and how to manifest your dreams. So if you're a mother who's ready to learn how to elevate your energy to start making bank and start living your limitless life, this is your podcast, my love, and I'm your new biz bestie. Join me as we explore what's possible for us as mothers and business owners when we remove the limits. Hello, hello, Limitless Mothers. It's me, your self-proclaimed business bestie, Cory Javid from CoryJavid.com. How are you doing, my love? I am so excited to be bringing you a second episode in our self-love month. Yes, that's right. February is the month of love, but we're focusing on that love that comes from the inside, that love that we give to ourselves. Because you know what? The thing that I know to be true is that the more we find that love from within, the easier everything else is in life. So, so good when we tend to that relationship with me, myself, and I. (laughs) So, or you, yourself, and you. You know what I'm saying. Okay, so um, I have a great guest on the show for you today. You're going to love her. Um, But before we start talking about her and why she's fabulous and why you're going to love our conversation, because it is self-love month, we are adding a brand new bonus, a self-love module to Limitless Money, my transformational all audio money mindset course. The reason that I'm doing this is because I know that there is such a tie 
for us as women so often between how we feel about ourselves and how much we allow ourselves to receive. So when we actually work on our relationship with money, we are working on our relationship with ourselves a lot of the time, in fact. Um, and so in honor of that, I want to just give all of my existing Limitless Money students, so if you're one of those ladies, you of course get access to this too. Um, but anybody new that's joining, particularly this month, I mean, it'd be, hey, a great <laughs> Valentine's gift to oneself, would it not? Um, I really wanted to give you that extra boost so that you can mar- start making some real shifts and changes with your relationship with yourself. So head over to corriejavid.com forward slash limitless. Get your buns inside, my love, if you're not already. It is evergreen now, like I mentioned to you ladies, so you can join now. You don't have to like feel panicked that the doors are closing soon. <laughs> it's there for you as and when you need it. Um, but we will be adding the self-love module later this month, so you absolutely qualify to get that too. So I just had to update you on that news. Now let's talk about Cheryl-Ann Skolnicki, who is joining me today. Um, I've never spoken to Cheryl-Ann before this interview. Sometimes women that I've had on, I've known them before. I also like bringing on women that um, are brand new to me, but who have something really valuable to give, something really amazing to bring to the conversation. And I adored Cheryl Ann. I, I felt like I'd just known her for ages by the end of the call. Um, and actually afterwards, after we um, stopped recording, I kind of was, felt like slightly reluctant to wrap it up because she and I just share so many of the same values. And so I know that you're going to really enjoy this conversation. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, so Cheryl Lan is the founder and the CEO of the Brilliant Balance Company. So, I mean, so perfect to bring on and talk about balance, right? She's obviously going to know a thing or two about that. Um, and she's on a mission to help all working mums feel like rock stars. I mean, we want to feel like rock stars, don't we, ladies? From her early days at a Fortune 500 company to today, where she leads a vibrant community of women, she's become the go-to expert and trusted advisor for women who want to get the most out of life. So if you're ready to hear her tips on getting energized, being productive, feeling fulfilled, she is the lady to chat with us today. You're going to love it. You're going to love this conversation because we really get into it. Um, We really go there with some of the conversation. We talk about whether our definition of success is kind of broken. We talk about, I loved her concept of like roles without rules, particularly as women, we have so many roles thrust upon us and we just seem to accept them a lot of the time and not question them and feel like there's all of these rules attached to them. And as she puts it in later in the interview, you'll hear it like she says, there is no white knight coming for us. Like it's up to us to define things for ourselves, to make changes, to shed things that aren't serving us. So we really get into it. You're going to love it. So without further ado, let's bring Cheryl onto the show. Welcome to the show, Cheryl Ann. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, So I really want um, my listeners to start to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about, just briefly, because we'll get into this more, briefly about what you do right now. But really what we want to start with is your story and how you came to own your business and run it like you do. Yes. Oh, I wish these were always like the 60 second perfect answer. So (laughs) um, let's see. So I run an organization called Brilliant Balance um, Mm -hmm. in the States. It is focused on creating a community for working mothers. You know, we really Mm -hmm. think of ourselves as expert guides for Mm -hmm. working moms. 
And this is my passion because I am a working mom. I have three children. Yes. Um, my kids now, as we're recording this, are 10, 13, and 16. Oh, wow. So, Getting into those teenage years. Uh, and sorry to feel like an older mom, but I'm, you know, I'm very much in the thick of um, school age children and all the mm. activities that that brings with them. And I'm running a growing business. Um, and I'm married. I've been married for 20 years. <gasps> wow. And congratulations. So, you know, Thank you. When you when you think when I think about our audience and I think about my own life, it's it's keeping all of those pieces moving forward in sync, and that's really what we're trying to do with mm. our community at Brilliant Balance. So the way I got into this, and you know, the backstory, if you will, is that I spent the first fifteen years of my adult life working in a corporate job, mm-hmm. thinking I would dutifully climb that corporate ladder and end up in the C-suite of some company. Yep. Um, and I did that for fifteen years and really loved it. Candidly, like I mm. like a lot of use. I like a fast-paced environment. I like big objectives. I'm competitive and ambitious, mm. um, and I thought I would stay forever. And yeah. I had two children and a third on the way when I made the decision to leave and start my first entrepreneurial venture. And so what was it that kind of provoked that? Yeah. After expecting to like be there for life by the sounds of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the answer is not what most people expect. Most people Mm. write the story for me and say, oh, well, Mm -hmm. she'd love to have better balance. She runs a company called Brilliant Balance. That's not really the case. Like, Mm, interesting. I really left because it was more a crisis of purpose. I reached a point where if I was going to work hard and chase goals and compete in an arena, mm-hmm. I wanted the win to be worth it. You yes. know? And I was working uh, for a big consumer products company. And so if I had the biggest possible win I could have had, people would have bought more of my laundry detergent than a competitive yeah. brand of laundry detergent. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that just was not worthy of my yeah. time and attention. Now, Not kind of it, like lighting your soul on fire kind of thing. I mean, yeah. look, there are lots of people for whom it is a worthy pursuit and they mm-hmm. really love the art of marketing or they love running a big team. Mm. For me, I I needed to chase like, what's the change I am making in the world? Mm. How are people's lives served um, yes. through my work? And so I started on a path to say, if I am going to be away from these children and mm-hmm. I am going to work this hard, it better be worth it. It's got to um, be something that I really believe in. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So for me, working moms, you know, I understood it already. I had two kids. Mm-hmm. I had a peer group of working moms and I thought, I'm going to figure out what these women need and I'm just going to kind of brick by brick set about delivering that. And that's, yes. that's the path I've been on. Wow, I love that. That's so interesting because I think it's really nice to have um, like a refreshing and different angle on this because I have spoken to a lot of women who left the corporate space because they really kind of like, um, like you said, fell out of it and didn't have that balance. And and like you said, I can see how it'd be so easy for people to write that, rewrite that story for you. Um, and people who didn't love it, but you said like you did love what you were doing, but it, just that purpose piece was missing, right? Yeah, interestingly, yeah. a lot of the activities that I did in that role are similar to activities I yes. do for my own company now. Yeah. I love business. Yeah. Yeah. I so I can so relate to that. So I don't know if you know this, but I worked for 10 years um at a big investment bank. And and I had a kind of I I left for a very um different reason. I won't I won't go into all the details now. Um but one of the things that was always a sticking point for me, and it wasn't the catalyst for me leaving, but it, I did always have this kind of lack of that 
real connecting purpose. So I was mentoring and coaching in that space, but to the corporate idea of success. Um, and there was just this disconnect for me rather than that individual's idea of success. And it was like, no, this is how you play the game. This is how you kind of like win in this environment. So I can so, so relate to that. And I used to, <laughs> I was chatting with somebody the other day actually about this. Um, and we were both saying, cause she shared this with me too, that I would every now and then in like a meeting, just have this almost out of body experience, like what we're doing here is only really though making these big businesses wealthier. We're not actually like impacting lives here, you know. Um, so I so so can relate to that. But anyway, a lot of women can. I do. Yeah, yeah. And we we just really need that purpose to drive us. I think, don't we? And that connection to it. I love it. So you started to find it by serving working um, mums in particular, was it, or just working women generally? I think working women in general, and yet I, you know, I have a belief that women who are trying to add the dynamics of raising children at the same time, you know, it, it, it is an increased burden on yeah. their ability to manage their time and energy. There's just, yeah. there's just no really two ways around it. If you took we my have children away, more demands on our time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, my life would be less rich and for me, if you took yes. my children away, but I would have a lot more time. Yes. Period. Right. Yeah. It is discre- at my discretion of what do I use it for or do. Yeah. So this kind of confluence of I, I, I want a, you know, career or work that I love. I'm going to take great care of myself. I'm going to invest in my partnership or, or my, my marriage in my case. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to raise these children that the spreading of that creates mm. new demands on mm-hmm. our time and our energy that I think we don't have a playbook for. Yes. And so this generation of women, you know, you and I, and all of our peers were kind of sold on the idea that we could have it all. Yes. And we were not trained in how to, how to manage it, how to have it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without kind of doing it all is the thing that I always think That's is key, right? Yes. I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> we were saying this before we went live, I think we have a lot of shared values. And we do. We yeah. see some of this the same way. So I say having it all never meant doing it all, but no. nobody told us that. Like, so no. kind of a little misguided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that um, I kind of grew up with that example though as well. So my mom was like a career climber in the like 80s, which was a tough space for a woman to be a career climber, right? But she kind of like did it all, but it, it didn't look necessarily that easy for me, like from where I was sitting. And so that was one of the other reasons that, you know, I was kind of incentivized to find a new way. But I'm interested to hear about your way of making these different pieces that are important to us. Like you just kind of named some of them there that many of us find ourselves sharing that, you know, we want a career or a business, you know, whatever that work looks like for us. But we also are really deeply committed to being the kind of moms, particularly listeners to the show that we want to be. We have partnerships, marriages, whatever that might look like. Um, And we also need something just for us, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is unfortunately the bit that gets squeezed so often. So I'd love you to know, I'd love to know from you, like, how do you make those pieces fit for you in, in your life now that you run your own business? Yes. Well, let's, let's start with, I'm going to tell you the framework I think about. Mm-hmm. Same one that I teach, but then we can get into anything you want to know about how I, pers- I sometimes I find it really valuable to get a peek behind the curtain at like, yeah. can you actually do that. Yes. So I want to start with the framework because it'll make any of those other examples make sense. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think about 
sort of a three rung ladder that I have to climb. And I always want to be standing at the top rung, which means mm-hmm. I have to pay attention to the bottom too. Because if, mm-hmm. if I have a shaky foundation there, like I'm going to fall on my butt and I don't yep. to do that. So the first piece is, am I taking good care of my energy? Mm-hmm. My personal physical health and well-being, you know, what I call my cognitive load, like how much of a mental burden am I carrying around, um, my emotional health, my spiritual health, like am I taking good care of this human mm-hmm. and coming into every day with a lot of energy and a high quality of energy, right? A sense yes. of positivity and optimism and um, and like enough juice in the tank, right? To get through mm-hmm. the day. So that's the foundation. And I do a lot of things to protect for that that we can talk about. The second mm-hmm. piece is I think about, can I have a productive week? Mm-hmm. And a productive week for me, I think about a week specifically, yep. not a day, not a year. Why that time frame in particular? I, I just think it's perfectly designed for balance. What, you know, it, we'll get into my definition of balance, but I think in a week I can serve all of my priorities. I can't mm-hmm. serve all my priorities in a day. Yeah. And in a month or longer is just too amorphous. Like I can't really fully control it too much changes. I can lose sight of things. I can structure a week and I do such that I have a really clear intention about what's, what is my emphasis? And then I'm, I can be adherent to it. I can actually stay in integrity to the plan that I put in place. So a productive week to me is is this flywheel effect where I can review the week. I can make changes for the following week. I can wrap Mm -hmm. my head around it. Mm -hmm. A unit of time that just makes sense to me. Yeah. I can so see that. Yeah. Cause I I agree. Like in a day, not always possible to do all of the things and to hit all of those like high level things that are important to us. And again, in a, in a month, I don't feel like we have a good enough of a kind of grasp on a month. Like if we were to ask to say, oh, for the last 30 days, how's your feeling of like balance between these things been? You'd be like, well, you're kind of only thinking in the last seven days typically. So yeah. I mean, yeah. it really, you know, people's spiritual traditions are all over the place, but I, biblically, like we talk about a week. I think there's yeah. a good reason for that, that you're just yep. grounded in, it's, you can wrap your head around seven days, right? Yes. You get some yep. in there, you can put relationships in, it, it all kind of fits. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece, so we talked about manage my energy, like energy mm-hmm. day, productive week. And then I think about like a purposeful season. What is my, what am I chasing? What's my dream? What am I excited about? What's the mark I'm trying to make in this season? And a season has a bit of um, a more amorphous definition. So it could be anything from a month to a quarter to a year. You're sort of, there's an emphasis to mm-hmm. where your energy is going, right? Yeah. I am of the belief that you really can't be trying to grow in really marked ways in in all areas of your life at the same time. Yeah. So you're probably exactly. one to three that yeah. you're really in any given season saying, I'm really trying to advance the game here. Mm-hmm. The other ones I probably have to be more in a maintenance mode. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So that's yeah. my framework. My framework is, am I clear on what my purpose is in this season? Yep. Am I productively scheduling my week so my time is really aligned with those priorities? And then am I managing my energy well so that I have enough, you know, to yes. do this and to bring positivity to my interactions? 
I love that framework. I know so many listeners are going to be like scribbling down notes and saying like, yes, this is so good. Um, I would love to know some of the things that you personally do to manage your energy, because I think this is the thing that I'm very aware in, in the work that I do, that mothers in particular, we too often find it very easy to deprioritize ourselves. And then we don't have that energy to bring and we're left with very little in the tank. And, you know, you can get into the feelings of overwhelm and burned out very quickly by serving the needs of everyone else um, and not, you know, prioritizing our energy, our well-being. So I'd love to hear, I love to bring guests on the show and talk about, you know, what do you do for you? What do you make? How do you make time for you? And so that we can be examples of like what it looks like to be protecting our energy. So tell us, what do you do? Favorite part, you know, I'm always asking our guests, like, tell me what today looks like. So that, Mm -hmm. see, I just am so curious about that. Me too. Yeah. I'll tell you four things and then we could go further, but these are four that are among others, right? Very important. The first one is sleep. I am, I am just not, it's just non-negotiable. And Mm -hmm. this is coming from someone who had you met me in my twenties, I would have been like, sleep when I'm dead. Like I, why would I sleep again? I'm ambitious and driven and I have a lot of energy. So I really was underserving sleep mm. and I had no comprehension of the consequences of it. Um, now that sleep is a priority for me. And, and so what does that mean? It means seven to eight hours a night mm-hmm. of sleep um, during hours where I've got a good circadian rhythm, you know, yep. like I am in bed no later than 10 and I'm typically up between five and six. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of my, that's my place. That works um, for you. Yeah. It works for me. And I, mm-hmm. I recognize that there's a little bit of variability, but there's not that much variability. Like yeah. most, the human mechanism sort of is optimized for about that schedule. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not a kid who was like super into sports. I played sports. I was encouraged to a little nerdier than that, but, but I did it. I just didn't like it. I, I didn't, I hadn't connected to that feeling good. And yes. when I was about 20, that flipped for me and I started mm-hmm. to really feel much more drawn to movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started running and I ran marathons for years and, and it just clicked. And so mm-hmm. from that, you know, and I'm 46 now for that run of the last 26 years, it's been an everyday part of my life and oh, wow. yeah. just don't know what I would do without it. Right. Mm. So yeah, I'm not at the gym for two hours, right? This is like a 30 minute a day kind of practice, but it is so central to my well being. Like I just can't imagine any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third one is time alone. Yes. I'm an only child. I think it's rooted. Same. In- yes. <laughs> that's so, yeah. that's rare to find. <laughs> I think I really didn't know until maybe the last five or six years, how important time alone was mm. my mental health. To recharge. Yeah. And I think it is rooted in being an only child. I mean, growing up, yeah. I, I had as much time alone as I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually probably would have told you then, like, oh, I want more time. I want to always have a friend over. Or I want, but it, you were always seeking balance, right? What well, we have yeah. plenty of. Well, right now with three children and a husband <laughs> and, a, you know, pets, there isn't, it isn't as easy to come by time alone. So I protect for it. And how do you do that? Well, so exercise is one of them. That is time yes. that I do solo. Um, I also try to have, be the first one up in the house. 
So that is time that people don't really get in my way about being alone, mm-hmm. right? Because they're me too. I do that now as well. <laughs> I started doing that when we had the first lockdown because I was used to having lots of time alone during the day when my husband would be at work and my daughter would be at school. And that was the thing, if I'm honest, that got to me the most when we found out that we were going into like severe lockdown the first time. I was grieving my loss of my time alone. So I was like, I'm just going to start getting up earlier. It's fine. (laughs) I will find it. I also think, I don't know if if my kids are aware of this. Like my, Mm -hmm. oh yes, I've been very vocal about like, I am a better me. I am a better mom when I have some time alone Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of time together. And so it doesn't have to be five hours. You know, it's no. we're talking about small pockets where nobody needs. Yeah. And yeah. so that is something that I do protect for. Um, mm. And then the fourth one that I've learned really protects my energy is um, making decisions. Mm. Maybe a little bit of a left turn for uh, the listeners. But when I think about what zaps my energy, mm-hmm. unmade decisions. Yes. Decision fatigue. Oh, my days. Yeah. I mean, the the amount that I can be carrying around in my head at one time that leads to overwhelm or anxiety mm-hmm. or burnout. So I have a practice I call a decision sprint where I just sit down and write down, here's all the decisions I need to make yeah. and make them, you know, yes. and get that behind me so that I can be in execution. And it's amazing what that does to reboot my energy. So I love that you said that because I think that there's a lot of talk around like decision fatigue. And yes, like that is a thing, you know, if we're having to make lots of decisions, loads of them all day, every day, then that can be a thing that we want to minimize for. But I think a lot of decision fatigue comes from, just like you're saying, unmade decisions because it opens that loop in our brain. Our brain's still processing it constantly then. Should I, shouldn't I, will I, won't I, you know, is this the right thing? A, B, C, like, you know, and it's, so overwhelming, like to our minds, that when we have like a few of those going at once, yeah, it's it's exponential, and you keep all mm. the pathways because not only are you holding the decision, you're holding all of the the domino effect of any of the decisions. If you have three options, you're holding the domino effect of all three in yeah. your mind. Yeah, because that's the thing stopping you. Because you're like, oh, but if I went to path A, then this, 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 this. But if I go to path B, then this, 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 you know, down the road, down the road. Yeah. And how often have you heard women say like, well, I need to think about it. Mm. You know, you're, you're, they're trying to make a decision and they'll say, well, I just need to think about it. But are mm-hmm. you thinking about it? You know, I think mm-hmm. often we don't have an active decision-making process. We, we say, I need to think about it, but we're not actually thinking in a way that's designed to lead us to a decision. So mm-hmm. that, that practice has been really important for my energy. Mm. And actually, though, the one place, and I'm sure you agree with me here, that I'd love to see women say I'd like to think about it more would be before saying yes to something that impacts their to-do yeah. list or, or schedule. Fair, yes. <laughs> um, so do you have any tips for making, because you said you like get those decisions made. What do you think are the things that hold people up from decision making and how have you overcome them so that you are faster, snappier decision maker? I think probably the biggest thing that prevents us from making a decision is we think we're going to make the wrong one. Yes. Right. And then we categorize it as irrevocable. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are very few decisions that are actually irreversible, irrevocable. I mean, precious few, truly. Yeah. Some of them have a cost. Some of them have um, a, you know, a personal cost. Some have a financial cost. Some we feel like we'd be embarrassed if we changed the decision. But mm-hmm. honestly, a lot of decisions can be changed. 
So I think that is the thing that gives me freedom is I've just given myself permission to run some road and change course if I need to. Yes. I think that's a big deal because really I think a lot of the holdup with the decision making is this fear of making the quote unquote wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and often that doesn't actually exist in a, in a, in a, so many ways, because even if it didn't pan out in the way that you intended to, you learn something from it. So it's giving yourself that permission in advance to make the decision and be okay with the consequences and, you know, find a new path, find a better option if you need to, or like you said, walk it back because actually a lot of decisions we can just reverse, you know? Yes. And we really get, I, I just, I just did this in my business. I We made a decision. We're going to pursue a particular path. We brought resources in behind that path. We brought a person on the team. We brought outside partners in. And I just, in the last week, made the decision, like, we're not going to do this. I love that. I love that you've shared that as well, because this is what doesn't get talked about enough, to give permission to women that we can change our minds. We can just, you know stop something midway through, pull the plug, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And, you know, I think, was it completely without cost? No. Hmm. Was it completely without having to unwind something? No. I mean, you had to. Yeah. Not the most fun thing in the world, but it is no. unbelievable how much simpler it is than we make it in our mind. Yes. Right. Yeah. And survivable. Yes, totally survivable. Yeah. I love that you shared that. I think we should, I think I should start asking this question just generally, like, what's a decision that you made that didn't pan out and then you made another decision further online? Because <laughs> I've shared before, I pulled the plug on a launch, mid-launch once. Um, and that, yeah, mid-launch, halfway through. Um, and it was actually like the best decision at that point. Like, I don't regret the decision to launch and I don't regret the decision to pull the plug on it. It was the right thing in both instances in terms of like that learning, you know, path and everything that came after it. So yeah, we just need to trust ourselves more, right? I think that's a big deal. I love that. Um, So let's, we've talked, we've kind of like skirted around balance a little bit. Um, I would just really love to ask you because something that I hear often coming from mouths or on the Instagram accounts of business owning mothers is that balance is a myth. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. So I think this question always makes me so sad because Mm. I think when people say, I don't have balance, what they're really saying is often my, I don't feel the ability or the control or the discretion to spend my time where I want to spend my time. Yes. Right. Like I'm getting pulled in a direction I don't want to go. And often, honestly, they're saying I'm spending too much time at work mm-hmm. or on my work and I'm not spending enough time doing things that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. So if you double click on that kind of broad statement, right? Balance is a myth. What they're yeah. saying, I haven't figured out how to get enough control to say yes to what I want to say yes to and mm-hmm. no to what I want to say no to. Yeah. And listen, work can also be running your household. Like, let's not kid about that, right? Or homeschooling your kids or... Yeah. work. It's stuff that we quote unquote feel like we have to do, mm-hmm. right? I have, I have the things I have to do for work and nobody is complaining about their work if they love doing it. Yeah. Nobody is complaining about their work if the tasks on their to-do list are things that they thoroughly enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. And that they figured out how to fit them in so that they also are doing the other things they want. So when we yeah. say balance isn't possible. Like at the highest level in the theoretical, if what you're saying is, I think there is absolutely no chance 
that I can mm-hmm. do the things I want to do. And that's so sad, like you say. It's so, so sad. sad. And yes. I think what is happening and what I'm really passionate about is that is becoming the dominant cultural narrative. Mm, like the the busy badge of honor. Yeah. That it's not possible. So why try? Mm. Let's just all yeah. not mess. Let's just accept it. Yeah. It is what it is. We're going to tough it out. Mm. Like this is motherhood. It'll get better later. So I am of the belief like there is no white knight coming. There is yes. no systemic change coming that is going to write this for us. This is about us taking control and saying, look, roles do not have rules. Mm-hmm. You know, being a mother, being an entrepreneur, being a vice president of marketing at a consumer products company doesn't have a set of rules on there's only one way to do it. And if we are somehow adhering to like these invisible rules that we think are there, then we may not feel freedom to mm-hmm. construct a life where all the things that we care about are getting their due. Okay. Yeah. That said, are there things that I really would love to do that are not fitting into this chapter? All of us have things that we would love. We're multi-passionate. We're ambitious. We all have things that we would love to do don't necessarily fit into this chapter. I don't think that means we don't have balance. No, I agree. I think it means yeah. we're not necessarily great at making choices and yeah. prioritizing, right? We have this like, we're going to slam it all into a, a vessel that's too small. Like when yes. we're not good at making choices and that's what's at the underpinnings, right? Mm-hmm. Then we are always going to feel time pressure. Like yep. trying to fit too much into the available time. Yes. Yeah. And that's where that feeling of imbalance comes from. Yeah. And and then we, it's like, I say, when we say we don't have balance, like we're blaming someone else. Mm. Yep. We are making choices. So many more things are choices. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. We have a woman on our team who is it's so great that we hired her onto our team because she was a client before she came onto our team. And when she was a client, her children were in a school that required her to drive. Like, I think it was 30 minutes away. So she was driving them and then coming home and then going back to get them at the end of the day and coming home. Two hours a day, every day, right? And then if they were in an activity and they needed to go back or there was an open house, wow. like, so yeah. she'd created and in her mind, it was like, I have no choice. I have no choice. Mm-hmm. I have a choice about what school they're in. Yes. So you yeah. made a choice. So sometimes we have to go all the way back to like the yeah. of origin that cast the die that said, oh, now I, I have this job that requires a commute. You know, I'm yes. driving an hour and a half each way for the, or I'm on a train or whatever. Well, that's the choice that you yep. have to re-examine to say that choice does not allow me to put my priorities where I want. But if I need a different choice, or I negotiated a different arrangement. I might. So we we just often say I have no choice. Mm. And the problem with that is it's it's kind of quite a toxic mindset because if we believe we have no choice, then our minds aren't open to potential solutions that could present themselves. Like you know maybe this lady that you're talking about moves her kids to a nearer school, or maybe she hires a driver to drive her kids to school or some other kind of transport, or maybe she shares, you know, carpools with a friend or something, you know, the, but as soon as we just shut, we shut those down when we tell ourselves we don't have a choice. Yeah. There's, there's an analogy that. to finances here that I think might help some people, right? Mm. So if you think about running a household budget, mm-hmm. you can Try to make a million little savings, right? I'm not going to get the latte. I'm not going to buy this magazine subscription. I'm not going to whatever. 
Or you can make the really big choice on, I'm going to have different housing or I'm going to um, drive a different car. Mm -hmm. So when you make bigger choices, you need to make fewer of them to kind of bring everything into balance. Right? Same thing. Same thing with our lives. Like we can make a thousand little adjustments Mm -hmm. or we can make a couple of big choices that may feel, again, like we were talking about with decisions, Mm -hmm. they feel a little scarier up front, but boy, they make a big impact. They make the broad sweeping changes to our lives. Yeah. And they put us, but I think the bigger decisions as well, let me know if you think this is true, um, probably give us more of a sense of empowerment as well from having done one. There can be like a great kind of then sense of autonomy over your time again. And then you can suddenly get, well, hang on a minute. I made that one decision. What else can I decide? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, balance is dynamic. So Mm. we are never going to like make a set of choices today, Mm -hmm. get it and forget it and be in balance, right? It's it's this ongoing process of adjusting mm-hmm. and yes. turning those knobs up and down because look, our kids are changing, our businesses mm-hmm. are changing, our marriages are changing. We're changing. Like what, mm-hmm. what is needed of us changes. So we have to be willing to constantly adjust. Yes. Oh, 100% agree with you there. Yeah. It's something that we curate, is my opinion, and cultivate. It's not like a set it and forget it type of thing. It's, you need to, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, and um, I thought, in fact, I was saying it's my mastermind. I said nobody ever arrives at balance by accident. <laughs> like you know, it's a continual thing. It's like you never just look out at your back garden after a year of ignoring it, and there's like all these beautifully neat rows of flowers, you know, thriving away there. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I think honestly, maybe balance isn't even the thing we're chasing. Maybe that word. Is just in people's way. Like what we're choosing mm. is like a sense of peace and fulfillment. Yes. Like do we want to yeah. feel like we like our lives and that yeah. we have control over them and yeah. that balance? But it's it's not like oh, I have this fifty fifty split between. No. no, it's just do I feel content with yeah. where my time is going? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, I love that. And so. Given though that you do help women with balance, which we've established now is more of like a feeling than a neat parceling of hours, um, what do you think are some, do you have like some tips, maybe top three tips that you could share with um, the listeners to kind of help them restore a sense of a good feeling of balance? Sure. So a few things I think kind of regularly get in the way. The first one we sort of talked is, you know, miscategorizing something as I don't have a choice when actually we do. So, you know, we we said before, having it all doesn't mean doing it all. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we are doing all the things and saying, I have no choice. Yeah. But there, there almost always is a choice and that the kind of resistance to pausing and really assessing the situation is, is probably the biggest thing in the way. Like we're just putting our head down and grinding it out instead of stopping to say, is there another way to do this? Yeah. What would really make a difference here, right? In how the second thing I think, and we just have to talk about this, is fear of judgment. Mm. No, there's this sense of, well, if I didn't do that Mm -hmm. anymore, what would people say? Yes. And that is what I think lands so many things, particularly on women's to-do lists, is this sense of expectation and 
the reverse of it is if I say no, I'll be judged. Or if I don't do it, I'll be judged. Yeah. So if I don't do it, I'm not a good mom. If I don't do it, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not keeping up with, you know. So that the fear that if I make a choice that maybe somebody else wouldn't make, I will be so judged I won't be able to withstand the judgment. I think that is a big barrier because we're not even trying. We don't even get the chance to see does it make us feel better because we stop before we start. Then even try it, yeah. yeah. And then the third thing I would say is a resistance to courageous conversations. Mm, so such as? To get where we want to go, we yeah. have to sit somebody down, You know, whether it's our boss, whether it's a colleague, whether it is our spouse house, one of our children, Mm -hmm. we have to be honest about what is not working and what we think will work instead. And Mm -hmm. that conversation is a deal breaker for some people. And so they can't ever get to the other side. So I'm always saying everything you want is on the other side of a courageous conversation. Yeah. You know, have it, it just might work. It just might get you the the new degree of freedom that you need. So that that one I think is a big deal. I'm, I absolutely love that you've said that because I think that's just so true. That is the thing that holds so many women that I speak to up is that being able to ask for what they need. Why do you think that's such a difficult thing for us? Well, I think there's two sides to this. One is if it truly is something that we need, like I think I need a favor or I need your help or I need you to do this thing that's really mine, but I'm asking you like, right, that there's vulnerability in that because it makes Mm. us feel weak. It makes us feel like, you know, and I think we really were sort of raised on this, this generation of women on like independence and I can do it all. Right. So there, Mm -hmm. there's a piece of it there, but sometimes that's in the frame. Like, is it really ours? And we're asking for help. Just take like, Something around running the household, right? Yep. Will you help me with the laundry? Well, is it my laundry? Yeah, it's not. You're not helping me. You're contributing to the laundry of the household. Yeah, household of five people in my case generate mm-hmm. laundry, and it needs to be cleaned. Like it's not my job that you're mm. helping me with. So sometimes I think that frame of thinking it's mine, which is again, mm-hmm. rule does not have a rule. The rule is not mom does the laundry. Somehow we might have gotten that mixed signal, you know, or it's mom's job to make meals or it's mom's job to make doctor's appointments or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. If we're in that frame, then we're asking for help. And I'm using air quotes here. Mm-hmm. It's not help. It's we're, we're reallocating the workload on our home team. Yes. You know, just like yeah. we would at work, if we're saying, look, one person's overloaded and somebody else has capacity, let's reshift this. Very similar. You know, yeah. at home, but we're not always in that headspace. So no. that feels scary. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yes. I am. Um, I just brings to mind, I remember having, I remember tearing a strip off of a colleague once in the workplace because, because I used to see the imbalance there of the kind of the working dads versus the working mums. Yes. Um, and he said something, I think there was like a, I don't know, I think it was going to be a team evening out. And he said, oh, I, I can't come because I have to stay home and babysit for, and then he said his wife's name. And I said, what do you mean babysit for her? And he's like, oh, she's going out. 
It's like, so what you're saying is, is you just have to be at home being a dad to your kids. That's not babysitting. You're not doing her a favor. They're your children. <laughs> Look after them, you know. <laughs> oh, and I got really, he was like. Languaging is so important. I mean, the mm. language that we use sets the tone for the conversation. So go back to the courageous conversation. If you are the mom in that story and you're saying to your husband, will you help me? Will you babysit the kids tonight so I can go out? You get a household narrative where that's the Mm -hmm. If you say, I have plans tonight, so the kids will be with you, or I'm just making sure your schedule is clear because I won't be here, right? Now it's our kids need Mm -hmm. supervision Mm -hmm. and I'm out, are you in? Right. And a different night, it can go the other way. So, yeah, it, every household management task really can be in that frame. And I, I just think a lot of us are still playing old tapes around whose job. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the kind of, and that's why there's sort of the idea of, of having it all can seem less appealing when we're working under those old narratives of, oh, so having it all now means I, you know, I can have a career, but I still have the lion's share of the child rearing, household management, etc. So no wonder like so many women feel exhausted and feel like balance isn't possible because they have all of that weight of expectation on themselves that they need to kind of like move out from underneath, right? Well, and I'll tell you what's scary is the data is that the youngest women, like teenagers, women in their young 20s right now are saying, uh-uh, I'm not doing mm-hmm. this. I'm not going to. Yeah. So, and they're making choices that are almost like a reversion to mm. I either I really am drawn to having children, therefore I'm not going to try to work or go to school, um, or I'm not having kids. That's too much work. I really just work. And, and there's this... We have not modeled for them. No. The way, as a generation of women, I think this is, it's our turn. We have yes. to forge this model yes. um, if we don't want to go backwards. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I so agree with you there. And it does come from at first having those conversations, especially because many women find themselves in a situation where there is an expectation at home. There is a way that things have been divided up, however unfairly. And so a bit of reversal needs to happen and it can take some time for those changes to embed, right? So I would love to know then, um, because I think there's going to be so many women nodding along, listening to this and being like, yes, need to have myself some <laughs> uncomfortable, what did you call them? Courageous. I love that. I wrote it down. Courageous conversations. But what do you say to people, particularly now, um, who might be finding themselves in a, a feeling of even greater imbalance because of the pandemic? So people have maybe elderly relatives they need to go and care for, or they might have children that are home when they would normally be at school, Um, or maybe they aren't able to have help around the home, say a cleaner, that they would normally have. Uh, Do you feel like balance is still possible for the working mums in a pandemic? Well, only if we make even deeper choices. Mm. Okay, so if we go back to the definition you and I have been working with, Uh, Am I at peace with where my time is going, right? Do I, have I created space for the things I care about? Some things have come back onto our plate that we didn't ask for, right? If our children are educated at home and they require supervision throughout the day, we didn't say like, oh, this is a choice I'd like to make. That is one Mm -hmm. that got handed to us. So then it means we have to make a choice somewhere else, Mm -hmm. recognizing that it's temporary. Temporary. Okay. So my coaching through the pandemic has been it's a longer temporary than we hoped. Yes. Still temporary. 
Yeah. We are looking for stop gaps. We are looking for bridges. We are looking for delays of some things we wanted to be doing right now that are not going to happen on the same frequency or at the same pace of progress because we have to create space for something new. But guess what? It's not that different than if you know your mom got a cancer diagnosis mm. and you decided you needed to put a lot of time and energy into that. Right, or one of your children had a health issue, or a, a social issue, or a development issue, or mm-hmm. you know, your husband. Like, it's not really that different than mm-hmm. any time we're preparing to accommodate a storm in our life. Mm-hmm. And I use the word storm to say, like, this is something I did not ask for. That's yeah. negative, and it landed in my lap. Then I have, and to- it's temporary. It will move on at some point. Yeah, we'll move. Through. I got to get through this, and I have to rearrange. If where we get into trouble is when we try to do all the things we were doing before the pandemic Mm -hmm. and all the new things that were handed to us and we're not giving ourselves any, there's no accommodation. Okay, well, we are going to implode. In that circumstance, we will implode. So what are you not going to do Mm -hmm. to accommodate the new things that have come onto your plate? If you make those choices, you'll be back in a state of feeling like, okay, I'm in agency, I I can do this. Might not be my plan A, yep. but I'm going to really execute this plan well until things start going back. So in my case, my I am very fortunate. My children are back in in-person school right now. Mm-hmm. So when that puzzle piece fell into place, okay, I got another degree of freedom back from that, yep. right? But for and there are plenty of women in our community who are not yet. Mm-hmm. Children back in school, and so yep. they, raising my hand. <laughs> so you don't. Well, they they went back, but now they're out. Yeah, yeah. out again. So yeah, <laughs> a few of those back and forth, right? So we're just learning how to stay on our toes. Mm. How to say, you know, these things fit when the kids are in school. When they don't, when they're not in school, they don't fit anymore. So how yep. do we? Co- you use the word curate, which I love. I use all the time, constantly. We're constantly recurating what, mm. what doesn't. So I think that's our only. There's no white knight coming here. Nobody is going to come and fix this systemically. We are navigating a really long storm mm-hmm. and a really significant storm. Yeah. And we have to keep the controls of that. I so agree. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I'm not doing, just so that we can share <laughs> for everybody, is so we don't have a cleaner right now. We had somebody who was coming twice a week, keeping everything clean and tidy. And so... I am not keeping it to that standard. That's not on me. Right? I, I will do a bit as it needs to be done, but I've let that go. Yes, I would like a tidier, cleaner house. It would make me happy, but that's now's not the time for that. <laughs> it's not high on my priority order, you know. I'm not working on my book. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, these are examples of like, that is time that is being devoted to other things right now. That is just, it's not, not going to happen. It's just a delay of game, you know? And so I think if we can stay in a healthy mindset about that, of like, Mm. look, we're going to navigate this. We're going to look back on this as a momentous chapter in our history, but we just, we got to keep a sense of humor and a sense Mm -hmm. of about um, what we can and can't do and be honest about that with us, right? Yeah. And do you think then during the pandemic when we are, or or any of these storms, which is, I I really like that phrase that you use there, do you think that's more of a time than ever to really be having those courageous conversations then? For sure. Because if you haven't, if you don't think about reshot, like, so we've been talking about this uh, in terms of teams at work and teams Mm -hmm. at home. Yeah. 
work teams should be having conversations about re renegotiating the division of labor on the team based on size capacity. What are the available hours? What are the constraints? Home teams, right? Which is what I call the people who live in my house. Love that. Do the same thing. This is our team under this roof. How are we going to get things done? Mm -hmm. What does it look like for us to collaborate on that in this chapter, in this season? So the courageous conversations in both of those arenas are what lead to that. You know, they lead to, okay, you're going to do this for a while, or we're not going to do this at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I gave a bit of a pep talk to the listeners during the first lockdown. Some of them might remember. And I said, like, don't assume it's all on you. We're in really difficult situation here of finding ourselves, for example, like homeschooling and, and all being, and also just the kind of cabin fever effect as well. Um, but don't assume. And I think it's too easy. Like we said, because we're, too many of us are operating under these old narratives of, oh, as a woman, it's my job to do all of the life admin and all of the child rearing and all of the um, housekeeping, etc. I was like, don't assume this is all on you. If you have somebody else in your household, be sitting down. I love the idea that you just said of like the team talk, you know, how are we doing this? Not, can you help me do this? You and know, I all think that's the kids, you know, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely got my daughter helping out. I get her helping out in my business right now because I'm like, well, you can be my mini apprentice then. <laughs> oh, there you go. How old yeah. is she? Eight. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, she loves it. <laughs> she doesn't want to go back now to school is the only problem. <laughs> like, this is perfect. <laughs> um, and so we've kind of talked about this a little bit because we talked about how um, this idea of having it all and I can understand how millennials are feeling a bit sort of dis- like disillusioned with the idea of having it all because we haven't, you know, our generation and even like the generation sort of semi above us hasn't really been making it look so great. Um, I would just love to know your opinion generally around the cultural narrative around success and whether or not as working women, we need a different definition of success that's going to serve us better. Mm, This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I I think, I don't know how you would define our cultural definition of success. I Mm. would say it's about do it all, Mm -hmm. get ahead, Mm -hmm. like look good doing it. Right. Like I think as a woman, it's this kind of this do all the things you just, just never, just never say no to anything. Mm-hmm. Get ahead, like climb that ladder, more money, more power, bigger title, more prestige. And then just like never let them see a sweat, right? Like yeah. it, it externally, like be physically attractive, but also mm-hmm. look good doing it, meaning look like you have it all together all the time. Yeah. That's look our- like you're also being the Pinterest perfect mom and, there you know, yeah. Right. So, I mean, okay, if you had nod to that, it's like that, that's relatable. That is what we would say. Those are the successful people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not the fulfilled people. Oh. Okay. So my, my experience, and you have a, a similar kind of front row seat to what are women really thinking Mm-hmm. The privilege of that front row seat and the trust that I have with our community is that they will tell me that even though that's what it looks like on the outside, mm-hmm. it they it is unfulfilling. They just don't, this is not what it was supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. They're tired. It lacks meaning sometimes. It's a hustle and a grind. It's mm-hmm. inauthentic, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I think is the modern definition of success? I, I think... I've kind of come up with like three C's. It's rooted in these Mm -hmm. three C's. One is contribution. Mm -hmm. Are you doing work 
honestly paid or unpaid, but are you doing work that you believe is in service to someone? It's Mm -hmm. making a contribution to the world, right? Some of us, many of us do that through paid work. Some people do that through volunteer work, but can you kind of get up every day and say, I'm doing something that I think matters. Yeah. My personal definition is this matters. Okay. Second thing is connections. Mm -hmm. We are not satisfied if we do not have strong relationships. We are Mm -hmm. weird for connection, right? So that notion of I am seen, heard, and understood. Do I have relationships that make me feel seen, heard, and understood? That's the bar. Not like, do I have a bunch of social media followers? Yes. Right. But, but do, can I talk to someone and have them go, Oh, I totally get that. Mm. I get you. Right. That is success. And then the third thing is, are we good at making choices? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I call this curation. That's the word you used that are we, do we feel a sense of control over our choices Mm. so that, and they change, right? They evolve. But if you, if you're making a contribution that you're really proud of that you feel Mm. like uses your gifts and talents in service to someone else. And you have strong connections with people who you would maybe even say you love or they love you. And you Mm. feel like you have a good sense of control over your choices. Like that's success, you know, and sometimes that brings boatloads of money and sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't, but, but anybody who can say yes to those things, I think would say, I feel like, I feel like I'm a success. Mm. I feel like my life is fulfilling. And that's the thing that you'd kind of like hit on there, which I love is that that success, I think, has been the outmoded version of success that we're kind of like done with is how does it look from the outside? When really what you're talking about with those three C's, which is why I really enjoy this is it's how does success feel on the inside, like literally living in your life inside of yourself? How are you feeling? If you have those three things, then that's success, right? Yeah. And I think we would be remiss just not to talk about money in this because mm-hmm. in our community, anyone who I know that has those things and is still wondering, it's because there's a financial, like they're grappling with, can I have this and have financial? Mm-hmm. Because that's yes. the one piece that in our society today, we're really having a hard time like disentangling from is what's enough when it comes mm-hmm. to money. Um, and we have a lot of really open conversations about this in our community of like, there's enough, which you can define for yourself, right? Support your lifestyle in a way that you don't feel stressed about money. You're spending less than you make is kind of enough, yes. right? Yeah. But then there's like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Mm. And there's, well, but what could I have made if I stayed in that career? Or what is she making because she's in that career, driving mm. that car, has that house? And I think that is, that's territory that I'm really exploring right now. Um, I don't have an answer for everybody, but I, it's yeah. the one asterisk on, it's a hard thing for people to say, I feel successful if it's not lucrative. Yes. Yeah. We very much equate those two things together, but I feel like, I feel like we, I personally, cause I think I talk about money and money mindset a lot, right? <laughs> this is a conversation we have a lot on the show. We talk about money. Um, but I think that I I kind of like agree and disagree with money being part of success. Like I agree that um, actually it can be a nice sort of compensation for showing up, connecting, making a contribution um, and those things that you were talking about and your definition of success. I think where we um, become tangled 
with money is that when we tell ourselves that we cannot feel successful until we have received the money and then then from there with that mindset we're always kind of keeping it actually at arm's length because we just are pinning our validation on the money and and that kind of like expectation that once I hit that financial goal then I will feel x y and z I think if we can separate that sense of validation from money and just expect to receive money and be okay with receiving money and you know because if we have a surplus great then we can go and do good with it in the world so I don't have a problem with that especially when we're talking about getting more hands into the into sorry more hands more money into the hands of like heart-centered women right which is our communities um but I think we need to sort of separate those two things, not be going after money because we feel like then I will feel successful because guess what? You'll just move the bar. Well, I'm not going after it for validation. For sure is that plenty of women who have lots of money would mm-hmm. say they do not feel successful. Yeah. You know, so it's it's this, there is a bit of a both and, and, and for me, I've reconciled it as long as you have made choices such that you have a sense of peace around money, where there is yes. enough of it that you you don't feel that stress and strain of, mm-hmm. I cannot support my life, right? Then, then enough. Yeah. enough right? And also peace around it from, I love that because that's that kind of worry-free calmness around money, but also peace from it, from not feeling like you are pursuing things that you don't feel are in alignment for you for money. Just you know? the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes from your purpose, then it feels good, right? <laughs> so good. Yes. Yes. That's so good. I, I think that's very true. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I feel like I feel like you and I could just chat for like <laughs> the rest of the world. It's my evening here, your afternoon. <laughs> oh, but I would love you to tell the listeners what it is that they can come to you for. What do you have on offer for them? I know lots of them are gonna be listening and wanting to know, you know, how they can take that next step with you. That's so kind. So Really and truly, the best thing for people to do if they want to stay in touch and just find us and connect to the Brilliant Balance community and to my work is go to brilliant-balance.com. That's our online home. It's kind of everything is accessible from there. What they would do there is, again, we are expert guides, primarily for working moms, um, at developing this playbook on how do you construct a life that you really love and make the pieces fit. So our signature program is called Breakthrough, um, and it's really designed to build a blueprint for your life and help you build it out, right? With coaching, with a community of support around you, with a process to follow that's definitively proven. So, you know, not everybody who wants to come into our community will do Breakthrough. So Mm -hmm. podcast and tons of free content, um, but that is the signature program that people kind of um, Mm -hmm. find themselves on a path toward. Love that. And we'll pop the um, links to that in the show notes, which everyone can find via the podcast player as well. And um, is that the best place to go as well if they want to connect with you? Where do you hang out on social the most? Instagram lately. Instagram. Um, and that's at C School Nikki, which I'm sure you'll show note all this for yep. people. It's so hard in an audio format, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to like spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, we have a really um, sizable Facebook following as well. I think mm. it has, you know, my audience tends to be. Um, skew just a little bit older, right? Kind of mm-hmm. 30 to 50, I would say, is probably our sweet spot. And so we're still a Facebook generation. And so mm-hmm. while I'm kind of increasingly intrigued by Instagram, we have a big Facebook following. And it's Sherilyn School Nikki on Facebook. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. It's been really, really interesting speaking with you. And I'm sure so many women got so much gold from this episode and all of your fantastic tips on curating that balance in their life, which I love. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And there we have it, my love. Wasn't that just such a great chat with Cheryl Ann? I absolutely adored it. If you want to find out more about today's show, you can head over to the show notes. We're going to have all of the links we discussed over there, corriejavid.com forward slash podcast forward slash Cheryl Ann. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-A-N-N-E. And until next time, never forget, my love, you are limitless. Bye for now. Have you been enjoying today's show, my love? Then help your business bestie out. Head over to iTunes now and leave a review. The team and I pour our best energy into bringing you this show each week, and so it would make us so happy to see your review. Plus, we are known to surprise and delight our reviewers, so if you take a screenshot of your review before you hit submit and send it to team at I can guarantee a little treat will be winging its way to you.